0: And we're going to think about that reading again today. We're continuing this series looking at Jesus' childhood and um, following on from Christmas. So uh, we're going to be uh, looking at that short reading again today. Now, I think it would be safe to say that children's lives today are the most documented childhoods uh, in all of human history. Uh, When I was a boy, uh, my parents collected an album with photos of me in it. And the size of that album was limited by, obviously, how many pages it had, but how much it cost to print all the photos that went into it. Um, If you go back another generation, um, there are only a handful, really, of photos of uh, my parents as children. And then if you go back three or four generations in Australia, you're usually lucky, I think, to find two or three photos um, recording the childhoods of those who grew up before the Second World War. But now, of course, um, there are thousands of digital photos around of almost every child, uh, videos recorded and saved, um, and social media posts documenting every event in their lives. Um, So our lives in our childhoods are documented, recorded, and then they're available for our memory at every stage. And that's a relatively new thing, of course, isn't it? So um, this, as I said, this series we're looking in January, um, we're doing in January, is basically looking at the early years of Jesus in his childhood, essentially. Um, And Jesus's childhood was certainly not as documented as ours are today. Um, And compared with his adult life, there are actually, as we've seen, very few recorded incidents of Jesus's childhood, except for all the detail about the birth of Jesus that we get in the Christmas story. Um, But then there are a couple of stories we've seen the last few weeks about the first few weeks of his life, and we've thought about that um, since we started this series. And those stories, as I've said, they emphasize for us that the birth of Jesus, which we've celebrated at Christmas, was part of an ongoing story of God's work through Jesus and the plan for what would happen when he grew up. Uh, And, you know, these are only a few small stories that we have, but even they are a lot compared to some of the other historical figures of the time. Now, but in this week, in the story of the Gospels, we enter into what a lot of biblical scholars have called the hidden years of Jesus' life. So last week, we read the story of Mary and Joseph um, presenting Jesus in the temple, and we just read uh, briefly about their encounter with the prophet uh, Anna, when they took him, and then they took him home to Nazareth. And then we get to the final verse in our reading, which is verse 40. And the child grew and became strong. He was full of wisdom... And the grace of God was on him. And that verse, one verse, essentially covers 12 years of Jesus' life. 12 years of the human life of the Son of God are covered by that single sentence. Next time we hear about Jesus, and we'll look at that next week, is when he's 12 years old and visiting the temple in Jerusalem again, which we'll consider next week. But today we think about these 12 hidden years where we know nothing about Jesus, except that he grew up, he became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. That's not much detail. How is he going to make a sermon out of it, you wonder? We'll get there. Um, But I think this um, uh, verse actually tells us a lot, Um, because what we're thinking about in this series is really the, the humanity of Jesus, what I would call the humanity of Jesus. What does it mean for God to truly become a human being? and enter into the world. What does that mean for us then too? One thing I think it means is that Jesus experienced developing and growing up in the ordinary way that a normal human being does. And that means, yes, learning, growing stronger, developing in character and wisdom over time, going through the normal process of these hidden years, what we would call our childhood usually, or the years of primary school, And this is the period when people usually develop their first sense of who they are. And when we learn more, start to learn about the world, how do we relate to people? And it's when our personality is first set down. And yes, I think in terms of the story of our lives, they are usually uh, hidden years. We don't usually achieve very much uh, that the world would think of as significant in these early years, the first 12 years of our lives. Um, They're usually quiet, our lives, and relatively uneventful in this time. We live sort of a a small life inside our families, inside our schools, the local community and the friends that we have around us. And there's not much in those years of our lives that we would consider extraordinary. Um, But as a true human, I think it was important for God in Jesus to go through those human years, these hidden years, and to grow like us. And today I want to focus particularly on the idea that this was a time in which Jesus was, as it says, filled with wisdom. And I take this to mean that he learned, as we all do, by being taught and observing the world. Now, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that Over the years, particularly uh, the first couple of hundred years after Jesus was around, um, people tried to fill in uh, the hidden years of Jesus by making up additional episodes and stories about Jesus' childhood um, to describe what this might have been like. Um, I spoke about, there's a document called the Infancy Gospel of Thomas, which is not in the Bible. Um, It was written in the second century, and this attributed to this childhood Jesus uh, basically a set of superpowers. Um... And part of this document imagines Jesus at school, in the classroom, uh, learning alongside other children. And of course, in this version of events, uh, he's no ordinary child in class. He refuses to listen to his teacher, because of course, being the son of God, he knows everything about everything already, and he ends up teaching the teacher. So yeah, he's one of those kids. Uh, So this child, Jesus, has nothing to learn. Um, but I think this is probably an unhelpful idea to have, and it's probably not how things really went. Um, it, un- it undoes the idea of a human saviour. Um, because if, as a, if Jesus, had a chi- as a child, had all these capabilities of an adult and of God, then why did he wait for 30 years to do something? It doesn't make sense. But as our reading shows, there was actually a time of growing of wisdom in him. But the, I think the infancy gospel of Thomas is right to wrestle with this, though, because it's a conundrum, it's a paradox. Because the New Testament speaks of Jesus as the Son of God who is coming into the earth as the Word of God himself. The Word of God. And the Word of God is essentially God's knowledge, God's wisdom and God's truth. And so this person, Jesus, in the Gospels is, we're told, the literal embodiment of um, the wisdom of God. So how then can he grow in wisdom and knowledge? How can he be lacking wisdom and understanding at any point? Because he is wisdom essentially. The best answer I have for that is that this is a reminder for us in an image of the difference between God and creation, or between God and human beings. I want you to think, firstly, like, what is God? Who is God? What do we mean when we say God? I think there's a confusion that sometimes occurs for Christians with this question, um, because we do believe in a personal God. But, in fact, the word God is not actually the name of a person. The word God is not the name of a person. And when we talk about God as a person, we don't use that word. We say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or we talk to God in the names that he gives us. The word God is more of a symbol than a name, and it means a symbol that we use to describe everything that is ideal, that is perfect, that is complete, that is ultimate. And so when we say we're talking about God, we're talking about things that are perfect or the perfection of of all being. And so whatever whatever God is, God is always that. God is perfectly and infinitely like that in every way. And so in contrast, whatever we are as human beings, whatever we are, we are in a limited way. And we grow, we change, and we develop over time. God does not. And that's the difference between God and created things. And so it's the difference between what is eternal What doesn't change and what does change and grow. So, God is goodness. We become good over time and grow. God is love. We grow and become more loving. God is wisdom and we grow in wisdom. And so, therefore, Jesus, in his human life, a real human life, he grew towards the perfection that was always his in his divine nature. And that's one of the ways that he is, I think, the first example of a new kind of human life that God wants to bring forth, this combination of divine and human life in this world. So to understand this a bit further, let's think about what the biblical idea of wisdom is. Now, wisdom is often associated with a particular kind of person. Um, Every year, I think I am supposed to get a quota of Lord of the Rings references to use in sermons here. Now, so this is, it's it's a new year, it's 2024, I've got many more to come. So... When we think of a wise person, often we might call to mind someone like the figure of the old wizard Gandalf, um, a bearded and venerable gentleman with a pointy hat and a staff. Um, Wisdom, as we think of it, is something that comes to us over the years as we reflect and study life, and we might look a bit like this before we achieve it. Hopefully not the beard for all of us, but... um, and while it, So this is sort of a parody of a wise person, it's an image, um, and there are many young people who have wisdom, of course. It has a lot of truth in it, though, because in the Bible, wisdom is essentially seen as something that learned over time, over a period. It's applied information as we, as we experience life, it's, it shows us how we should live. And there, I think there are two facets to wisdom in this regard. So the first is what we might call practical skills or craftsmanship. This is the ability of those people who've practiced over many years to do something practical very well, such as build things or make things or grow things or even perhaps write things or or use their mind to create something. And this is a very prominent idea in the book of Exodus, describing those people who designed and built the temple for God. They were using their knowledge of materials and design and their wisdom to build something that was beautiful and could be a holy place where God could rest. In this vein, we might think of wise people that we know, who know how to get things done. Um, People who know how things work, who can fix cars and can build furniture or grow delicious vegetables or other beautiful plants. Or those who've trained for many years to play a game or a sport exceptionally well. I admit that for various reasons this is not a form of wisdom that I have a lot of compared to many of the other members here at St. Mark's, and I know there's many wise people here who can do all sorts of things. Um, So as he grew, Jesus would have developed this sort of wisdom, I think. Jesus' adoptive father, Joseph, was a carpenter. And so Jesus would have learned from him. His hands, his eyes, his whole body would have been trained from childhood to understand how to cut and saw and hammer and carve things, the wisdom of shaping wood into something useful. And so in the end, this kind of wisdom comes from being in tune with God and His wisdom in creation, because we understand how He's made the world, observing and seeing how things work and how we can interact with them. And that's a very human calling, and God's given it to us. And we might call it another name, science or engineering or craftiness, handiness. And I imagine, of course, then, that this is part of the wisdom that Jesus was filled with as he grew up in his hidden years. It's part of his mission in the world is to grow in human wisdom to how God's creation actually functions and to live that out. So that's the first kind of wisdom. The second kind of wisdom in the Bible that we find is more to do with the question of um, how we live ethically, morally, how do we live well, how to behave, how to make good decisions. There's a whole book of the Bible devoted to this kind of wisdom. It's called the Book of Proverbs and it's just after Psalms in the Old Testament. And so Proverbs is filled with sets of advice from an older man to a younger man. And to his son. And he tells these younger men what he's seen and how to avoid trouble, how to be successful and how to do well. And this is the wisdom that comes from making mistakes and learning from them and observing what happens to foolish people and avoiding doing that ourselves. But also, this wisdom is fundamentally based on the idea that because the world has been made by God, it's based on his wisdom and his goodness. And so if we reflect on God, what God has revealed to us, we'll know how to live. And this is the kind of wisdom we might call philosophy, for instance. Now, one way that the Jewish people did this was by the tradition that they had of intensive reflection on the scriptures, particularly the law of God they received from Moses. And they would reflect on this in order to learn a way to, the way to live and would teach their children the law as they grew up and how to apply it to their lives. And so this is how Jesus would have grown up too. Attending the synagogue and being taught about the Bible by his family and by the other teachers there. Experiencing life and their human reflection on it. Understanding how things work, the principles of living with God and growing in that knowledge. So as I think as a boy, he would have grown in wisdom in that way too, towards his own divine wisdom and life. So these these two kinds of wisdom, I think. If Jesus grew in wisdom, this is what he was growing in. So what does this have to say to us today? Is there anything that teaches us about our own life? Well, I want to put before you what I think is a helpful principle for Christian life and understanding, which I think has helped me a lot to understand, is that this the principle that everything that is true for Jesus in his humanity is also true for us. So everything that's true for Jesus in his humanity is also true for us. And so this is what it means for Jesus to be truly human as well as the Son of God, that the life he lives is the same as ours and everything that became true for him In his human life is true for us in our own life and so by this i mean i think we can see in this trajectory of his life the purpose and the path of all human development as is in god's plan all of us were created by god to grow continually in our understanding and experience of god his wisdom and his ways our experience of god's goodness his love his joy and all his wisdom is supposed to be a growing thing for us from the beginning to the end and all of those things, God's wisdom, God's goodness and love, they are, as I said, they're all perfect. That's why we say God. And that's what it means for God to be God, to be perfect. And so what it means to be truly human then is to become more and more like God, to grow towards the perfection that he has, as Jesus did. And so if we are followers of Jesus, we will have our own hidden years, I think, where this is going to be our main task the years when we grow in wisdom and understanding and experience of God's wisdom and grace in our lives. For many people, this is the same period as their childhood, or a lot of it is, and that's why we include children here in our worship at church, and we spend time teaching them how to understand the Bible, modelling for them how to live, so that during this hidden time, when it seems that not much is happening perhaps in their outward behaviour and knowledge as Christians, they will develop inside towards their understanding of God. And that's very important. It's a great responsibility and a task for parents and for our church community to do that, to share our wisdom and to teach younger people among us. I'd encourage you to think about what's your role in that. Um, But I think all of us, regardless of whether we're young or old, have this time, this hidden years of our own walk with God, which may be a substantial part of our adult life as well and probably is. And that's the time of gradual, slow growth in understanding as we spend time sharing our life with God, praying, studying the Bible, walking with others in his way and doing what he's told us how to do. And for many years, this can be seen to be quite an unimpressive thing in people's lives. But it is the necessary prerequisite, It's a hard word to say this morning, prerequisite for much of the profound and exceptional things that Christians can do when they become mature people and Christian leaders. One of the weaknesses of the contemporary church um, in our nation as well is the, is the fondness that we have for sudden and spectacular experiences of grace, miracles, and for personal transformation that happens overnight. Um, we may desire or to be completely changed, or to be healed and transformed, and for this to happen in an instant or during a weekend conference or camp. Um, and of course, God does do dramatic things in people's lives, often in ways that profoundly change them. But as human beings, if we're as human as Jesus was, we all need to assimilate and develop in grace and wisdom over a period of time to grow. There are very few shortcuts in the spiritual life. And a failure to understand that can leave us stuck spiritually, being addicted perhaps to the spiritual highs of life and frustrated with the ordinariness of everyday Christian life and the experience of being part of a church. But those hidden years are when we grow. And so, applying ourselves to daily wisdom, understanding how God works, it's a solid pathway to spiritual maturity. It's the path that Jesus followed, and a wise person will see where the sum of the small choices that we make every day—and this is where God leads us—what do we read, what do we watch, what small actions of care do we take to other people, who do we hang out with and, f- and spend time with, what do we do in our leisure time, all those things. We can use these days to learn how god's world works and to be in tune with it and to see how god's way of life works and how to live it and that's wisdom and i think that's the way of jesus in his hidden years with the god the father if we ignore that as well we're likely to find another path of wisdom because there are other paths of wisdom available there's a wisdom the bible talks about that doesn't come from god and doesn't lead to growth for instance, in the New Testament, the letter of James speaks about this in James chapter 3. I'm going to read to you from 18, verses 18 to 23. James says, Who is wise in understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. He goes on to say, But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find a disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's pretty clear. There's a form of wisdom, a way of living, of understanding the world that leads people away from god and growing towards his perfection away from christ and his perfect humanity and it leads us away from completion and into dissolution of our lives and away from growth and towards shrinking and distorting our lives and humanity the sad thing is uh, gandalf you know looks like, you know might not be wise he might get to that point and just have grown a big beard um There are many older people around who have done no work at all over their hidden life with God over the years. And some of those people are the leaders of large and powerful nations in our world. Um, We need to ask ourselves where we're headed. What kind of wisdom do we see in our own life? What are the models of wisdom that we're following and imitating? When we emerge from our hidden years and we start doing something significant in the world, what will come out of us? Because what has been put in over that time? That's the big question, I think. And the challenge for us today is to be like Jesus was then. As he grew, studying the wisdom and the grace of God around us each day so that our actions, when they come, will be those of God himself. So let me pray, and then we're going to reflect a bit more about that. We thank you, Lord, for this word to us today, this short verse that teaches us about the hidden years of your life. We pray that the wisdom that was growing in you would grow in us as we apply ourselves day by day to become more like God. We pray that this would be the path that we all follow, and you would encourage us and help us to lead each other on that path as well. In Jesus' name, amen.